you guys remember when you were first learning to pray? For some of you, that's right now. Like, we're, we're blessed. I mean, a lot of people are experiencing redemption at Redemption Chapel. So some of you are like new to this Jesus stuff and you're learning to pray right now. And, and it's awkward, isn't it? Learning to pray. I mean, even for seasoned veterans. To, how about praying out loud in groups? Nope. Not going to happen. You're right. So it can be very awkward. And sometimes we end up praying like little kids. Like sometimes you just recite those prayers that you learned when you were little. Like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now go to sleep. <laughs> no, I'm going to die. Like that's a psycho prayer. <laughs> Who teaches that to a kid? That's crazy. That's just crazy. Anyway, I mentioned it because we're going to be talking about prayer a lot this morning. As we go through the Gospel of Luke, because we're looking at Jesus, this changes everything. We love it. And we come to chapter 11, and Jesus has a long section. We're going to get to all of it today. Long section that is all about perspective in prayer. What I want you to catch is that we are supposed to pray like little kids. Like when you're learning to pray, don't look at religious people. Don't listen to religious people. But rather look at and watch and listen to how little kids talk to mom and dad. That is a much better model for prayer because kids aren't worried about doing it right. They're just worried about sharing their heart and talking to mom and dad. And that's where we need to be. All right, so let's dive in. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11. Start out right at the beginning. Verses 1 to 4 say this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation." Okay, some of you are wigging out right now because, like, I left out parts, right? Um, Ashley, you're probably more familiar with Matthew's account of this interaction. But one thing you, you should know is <clears throat> back in that time and place, they weren't really concerned about direct quotes, but indirect quotes. You know the difference? Direct is like when you get it word for word exact. Indirect is when you accurately capture the ideas. That was their quotation system. So this is accurately capturing the ideas. Indirect quote, so that's why it's a little different. But there's many things that we can learn about praying like kids from this. And I'm going to throw a bunch of P's at you this morning. I'm going to alliterate like crazy because Pastor Jared loves that stuff. And I'm going to wow him today. All right, that's my goal, right? So the first P is that we need to practice when it comes to prayer. See, prayer is a learned communication skill that gets improved over time by practice. Already in Luke, it's recorded that Jesus has prayed six times. And so they've been doing this discipleship thing for some time now. They've been with you. We've got to assume that Jesus has already talked to them and taught them somewhat about prayer. And yet they go up to him and say, hey, teach us to pray. See, it's not a one and done thing. It is a lifetime of learning about prayer. And as you do, it is on-the-job training. Okay, so uh, for example, 
because it is a communication skill that gets improved over time, that's like marriage, right? Like marriage, and you learn communication, it gets better over time. Ideally, right? I get some of you are like, nah, uh right? So ideally, ideally. But I want you to imagine this. Say, you, you talk to a husband, and you say, hey, uh, do you talk to your wife? And he says, well, no, I'm working on a master's in communication. And uh, I have about a year left. And after that, then I'll know how to do it, and then I'll talk to her. What's wrong with you, man? It's on-the-job training. You practice as you go. But that's how we sometimes approach prayer. I can't do it right, and so I'll wait until I can. Instead, we should be like little kids. Little kids get, uh, they just do it. Like as adults, we get all bunged up, but little kids just give it a rip and it's messy, but it's sweet because they're humble and they're teachable and they're honest and they just practice. They have no gall. I want you to pray like a little kid. Just go practice it. Now, as you do, one of the things you might notice from the Lord's Prayer is that it it is plural. It is plural. Uh, Listen to this. Lord, teach us to pray. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone and lead us not into temptation. You get the idea? It's packed with plurals. The assumption is that we are supposed to pray together as believers and even out loud. It assumes we pray out loud in groups. Everybody groan. Oh, geez, here we go. But think about this. Isn't that how kids start out? Like little kids don't learn prayer in their bedroom alone. They learn prayer by praying with the family or praying with the Sunday school class. That's how they learn. We learn in groups. And it's a very powerful aspect of prayer because in that moment, not only are we sharing our hearts with God, but we're sharing our hearts with everyone else too. And both of those are essential to discipleship. Sharing our heart with God and with our community in, in one fell swoop, we do it in prayer because prayer is supposed to be plural. Now, about the Lord's Prayer, I would tell you I believe it is a pattern, not a magic script that we're supposed to parrot. It's a pattern. Now, so some people ask me at time to time, hey, Pastor Rick, why don't we recite the Lord's Prayer? We never do that here. That's weird that we don't do that. And that's because I believe it is a pattern, not specific words we are supposed to parrot. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's certainly not meant to be for religious use in causing someone punishment or doing penance. Some of you grew up in a section of religion that when you screwed up, you would confess that, and then the priest would assign to you how many Our Fathers you had to say, right? Are you kidding me? Think about this. Like, if my son and my daughter, Caleb and Madison, grew up together, if every time Caleb screwed up, I punished him by making him talk to Madison, how would their relationship be? So I'm going to punish you by making you talk to God. Like, come on. That's not what it's meant for. This is not some magic thing that we have to recite. This is a pattern. Now, what I'm saying then is that we're not supposed to recite it word for word. Some of you right now are like, he's a heretic, burn him. All right, so let me make my case, right? First of all, in Luke, as I've told you already, Luke has already recorded Jesus praying six times, right? Now, by this point, wouldn't the disciples have already memorized this prayer? They've heard Jesus do it over and over again. Why are they asking him to teach them to pray this prayer if they're just supposed to parrot this thing? 
And is that all Jesus prayed? Like in Luke chapter 6, that's when it says that Jesus stayed up all night in prayer because the next day he was going to choose the disciples. Do you think he just recited the Lord's Prayer all night long over and over? Probably not. And then there's specific prayer requests that Jesus has already given us in Luke. Like he told us to pray for those who persecute us. He told us to beseech the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for his harvest. That wasn't in this prayer. Jesus just contradicted himself. Oh, unless this is a pattern that we're supposed to fill in the details. You see that? This is a pattern for prayer. Another thing I'd point out is if it's not a pattern, it gets really, really silly. Imagine you go to marriage counseling because you're married and you need to, right? Uh, And it's a very healthy thing to do. So you go to marriage counseling and the counselor realizes you need to work on some communication skills in your relationship. So he teaches you, you say, listen, try this. Say, when, say, honey, uh, probably to your husband, when you leave the kitchen a mess, that makes me feel unloved. And would you agree that you left the kitchen a mess? And is that what you meant to communicate to me? That's a great, great thing right there. So here's what you do. Every day, many times a day, for the rest of your life, the only thing you say to your husband is, honey, when you leave the kitchen a mess. Like your kid just got in an accident and is at the hospital and you call your your husband up and you say, hey, honey, uh, when you leave the kitchen a mess. Like it's just silly, right? No, you don't want to reduce your prayer to that. It's a pattern. And we have other examples of patterns in prayer like this. Some of you are familiar with ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Problem is none of us use the word supplication anymore, so it gets weird. So I like this one, pray. P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield. So, So you begin by thanking God for who he is and what he's done for you. And then next you repent, you confess, Lord, I've screwed up and here's how, and there's repentance. And then you ask, there's requests that you put in there. And then lastly, you yield. You end your time by saying, you're God, I'm not, I yield to you, lead me today. Lordship, right? That's a great pattern. So now you grab that and let's say every day, several times for a day for the rest of your life, you go to God and you say, dear God, praise, uh, repent ask and yield. Amen. No, no, it's a pattern. That's not the way it is supposed to be. Don't just parrot that pattern. After all, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. And so what is going on here is Jesus is telling us how to connect in communication with our great God. And what we're doing instead is we're taking his advice and we're we're turning it into some some magic formula that we're just going to regurgitate and parrot over and over, and now we've failed to actually communicate with God. That's a failure. We just failed. So don't just parrot it, okay? Parroting a script, the reason we do that is because it's safe. We know if we just repeat Jesus' words, then we won't mess up, we won't sound silly and stupid. But if you listen to kids' prayers, don't you just love hearing kids pray? I mean, it's just, it's messy though. And it's, it's awkward at times and they, they blunder. They're not perfect. And yet they are. They're perfect prayers, aren't they? I want us to pray like that. Now I experienced this a little bit uh, when I was in college. When I was in college, I 
uh, started to walk with Jesus, got to a point where I wanted to help others as well. And so I started a Bible study for guys who wanted to learn more. Actually, I, I uh, had the privilege of leading a couple of frat guys to Christ. They had no church background, right? And so they, they came to the Bible study. And then also in the Bible study were some good Christian kids. Like they were born in church, like lived in church every day of their life kind of kids, right? And so I've got these two groups in the Bible study together. And I taught on prayer, and then afterwards we decided, let's apply it. Let's pray together. So these frat guys jump in. They start praying, uh, but they use their language. And there are F-bombs all over the place in prayer. God, I'm just so effing glad you, you, you chose me and sent Jesus. Because I have effed up, Lord. I mean, it's just going on. So I opened my eyes. And there's the good Christian kids. Their eyes are like saucers. They're scooting away. Right? Like, oh, but I'll tell you what, I think God loved it. I think God loved it because they weren't worried about their words. They were honestly just pouring their hearts out before God. It wasn't about their words, just like a little kid. It was about honestly pouring their words out, and it was awesome. And wouldn't you know, it was those same frat guys. They were the ones who chased me down in the parking lot after the study, said, we got to pray some more. More F-bombs in the parking lot, right? You know, like, so, but, but it was awesome. Now, I'm not suggesting you start cussing in prayer a lot. That's not the point. But, but the English Benedictine monk got it right. Abbot John Chapman said this. He said, pray as you can, not as you can't. And so many of us are bunged up trying to pray like we can't. And we're missing just praying like we can. Just like little kids pouring it out. So don't memorize flowery language and robotically recite some magic incantation. No, no, no. Just talk to God. Let's be less concerned with when we pray sounding like a preacher and let's try to sound like little kids just praying to our Heavenly Father with sincere hearts. I think that's what he wants. So it's a pattern, not that we paired it. Now, in that pattern are some good points to hit. Yes, there are some points to hit. Now, I, I'm going to have to abbreviate this a lot because uh, now I'm going to talk about the Lord's Prayer some of the points in it, you understand entire sermon series, like many week series, have been preached on the prayer alone. And I got 13 verses to get to, okay? So I'm not going to drill down a ton, but there are a few points in there that relate to the overall theme of these 13 verses. And so we'll touch on those. Like, for example, he, in the prayer he says, say, our Father. Which means we approach God as our Father, not our King. Wait a minute, are you saying he's not king? No, he's king. It says in there he's got a kingdom. He's obviously a king. And yet a lot of people can relate to the king as a king. Only his kids can relate to him as daddy. And, and, and we are royal family, and so we go to him as our father. Now certainly there's respect and reverence. It says, hallowed be thy name. Yep, okay. But in the Jewish understanding of parents, respect was already woven in. I had a very high view of parents. There's submission to parents, and they are the source of life. They are our authority. They are wiser than we are. And so, yeah, absolutely, respect's woven in. But not just that, but also relationship. Not just respect, but relationship. There's love. There's intimacy. He is our daddy, and he absolutely loves us. So one of the things that we learn about praying to God is we pray to him as our father. Now, let me pause there for a second. Because I know for some of you, you're like me. Like to talk about, what, what I'm suggesting is we learn about the fatherhood of God by our earthly example of our father. 
Sometimes that's a problem, right? Like, so for some of you, you had a great earthly father and you go, oh, now I know what God's like because he's like that. That's awesome. Mo- many of you are like me. And my earthly example wasn't that great. And so I don't learn about the fatherhood of God by comparison. I learn about the fatherhood of God by contrast. Oh, he's not like that, <laughs> right? He's different than that. Some of you are like that. But either way, we can learn about the fatherhood of God. And so a good father loves his kid, adores his kid. And so we ought to pray to God like little kids, just point our heart out because our father loves us. What if you talk to God like a little kid talking to mom and dad? Not focused on doing it right, but just babbling. Any of you had kids like, I had a babbler. I got one kid and just talks like crazy. That boy, man. But, but, and, and, but and some of you have that. Now let's be like that in prayer where we just babble and pour our hearts out to our father. Now, he is a king, right? So you see in there, your kingdom come. Yep, he is a king. He does have a kingdom. What that means is that when we pray to God, we realize he's not a genie in a bottle, comes out and does our wishes. He's not a butler. We ring a bell and he comes and he has to do our bidding. Jesus, get it done. No, he is God. He has a kingdom. He has a mission. He's on task. And so he doesn't always do what we want. So yes, pray with the honesty of a little kid. But parents, let me ask you this. Do you remember that time when your kids were growing up and they hit a point of maturity? Where it was all, what do you want to do today, honey? And at one point they said, I don't know, mom. What do you want to do today? Hallelujah, of course, you started going off, right? Like your mind's blown. Some of your kids are too young. But, but man, that moment, and, and I want to be that kid where I mature to a point where I don't just go to God with what I want, but I go, God, what do you want today? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be that kid. What do you want, God? Robert Law had a great word on this. He said, prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done in earth. What do you want today, God? Maybe as we grow up as kids, we can learn to say, what do you want, Daddy? So do that. Do that. Now that's uh, your kingdom come, but there's also this part about daily bread in the prayer. So yes, he still wants you to bring your request. God has no needs. We have nothing but needs. He's not shocked or surprised that we come to him needy. But notice how often we go to him. Give us this day our daily bread. We go. How often does a little kid talk to his or her parent? Every day. Lots of time. That's the way we should be talking to God. And for our little needs, everything we need, we go to him. We pour it out. Like God's not shy. When you're a parent and you got this little kid and your little kid comes to you and says, Dad, Mom, I'm hungry. Can I have some food? You don't disdain that moment, right? Like you love that moment. That's cool, right? God's like, bring it. Come to me with your little request. That's fine. You're a little kid. Now, one of the requests you'll notice in there is forgive us our sins. Because our biggest need is forgiveness. We know we've screwed up with God. We're all rebels. And so we need to go to him and ask, God, would you help me? Would you forgive me? So just go sincerely tell your daddy that you're sorry. Oh, but also it says, lead us not into temptation. So that's the point where we say, thank you for forgiveness. I'm glad we're okay. But you know what, daddy? Would you help me not sin as much? Would you help me grow? Help me in sanctification? Lead me, teach me? Parents, wouldn't you love that? 
Your little kid comes to you and says, Daddy, would you just lead me? Would you teach me? God loves when we do that. He loves that. Well, Jesus has a lot more to say about prayer, that it is uh, not only a pattern, but in the next section of chapter 11, he's going to talk about a parable about prayer. Look, look at this, if you will, starting in verse 5. He said, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. This speaks of persistence in prayer. Let me give you the context of what's going on there in that time in history. I've told you already about the Near Eastern expectation of hospitality. Huge expectations that when you have a guest show up, you have to provide food, even for unexpected guests. In fact, you understand every guest back then was unexpected. What, you think they called ahead? <laughs> Texted, tweeted, snapped, Insta, what? Like, no, none of that. You just showed up. Oh, you're here, okay? And sometimes they'd arrive late because you don't drive there, you got to walk. And so if your friend lives far away, like you leave in the morning, you get there after sundown. Now, there was no Panera where you went and bought bread, right? So everybody made their own loaves in the morning. And some days you'd eat it all, and so you get to sundown, you've eaten all your bread, your friend shows up unexpectedly, you're still on the hook for hospitality, you need to feed them. Well, the whole village understood that, there was communal living, so you'd go next door to your neighbor. I have a friend who showed up, I need some bread, they'd hook you up, they'd help you out. But of course, in this case, the neighbor's like, leave me alone, man. Why? Well, another thing to understand is they mostly had small, one-room houses, like just one small room, that's it. That's why he's in bed and he can talk to the guy through the door. And he says, all my kids are asleep. Like they, the family literally slept in one kind of pile in the middle, right? So you know, we have that phrase like, you'll wake the whole household. Literally, he would wake the whole household if he got up. Parents, some of you have like babies, right? You know that moment, it's like, shh, shh, we just got the baby to bed. If you have like older kids, you tell the kid, you wake the baby, I'll kill you, because I already got a replacement right there, right? The baby's asleep. Shh, right? Imagine like this guy, they just got their baby to sleep, and they're like, shh, don't bother us. But here's the thing. You keep pounding, he's getting up, because you'll wake the baby. Now you get your bread, right? So you got to be persistent. That's the point there. Ah, but here's a caution. Don't miss this. Here's what this is not saying. This is not some magic formula to control God, right? I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. Even as a pastor, I get leery of prayer chains. The idea of a prayer chain sometimes is, is if I get enough people praying about this, then God will have to obey us. As if God's will is a democracy, right? 
And so I'll, I'll even, I've got to contact churches that don't even know me and get their prayer chant. I'll put it on social media, share it, and now people around the world will pray. Now we have so many people persistently pestering God, God will have to obey me. It's as if I've already asked this request and he vetoed it, but if I marshal enough people, we can override his veto together. That's witchcraft. It's witchcraft. If you are asking your good heavenly father for something that is good, do you think you have to pester him to get him to give it to you? Or maybe you're asking him for something and he's a good parent, he knows it's bad for you, but it's okay if you pester him enough, he'll relent and give it to you. Is that what this is saying? I don't think so. I don't think so. So what does it mean? Well, the key word in the passage is impudence. The problem is none of us know what that word means. And so I looked up the original Greek word there, and the Greek word, it, it talks about insolence, like having no regard for what's proper. I just don't care. Like a little kid doesn't care about what's proper. Being bold, being shameless, being audacious, being desperate. You're just desperate. Think about it, parents. Are you moved when your kids are pestering you? <laughs> right? I hate that. Don't pester me. But are you moved by their desperation? When your kid is just expressing desperation, oh, that moves our hearts as parents. And so here this guy is going to his neighbor, knocking on the door. He's expressing two things. One, he totally gets his desperate need. And two, he is convinced that his neighbor can meet that need. Desperate dependence. That's what's being expressed right there. Is that how you pray? Sometimes no. We just go through the motions and recite some regurgitated prayer that we parrot. And that's not what God's looking for. God might not answer your prayer. You might be asking for a good thing, and he might hold off until he lets you hit the point of desperate dependence. And we see this worked out among our addicts. You know we have a ton of addicts in recovery here at Redemption, right? I absolutely love it. Congregation, can you affirm them right now? I mean, we love it. Absolutely love it. I'll tell you what, you're out in the atrium, you can't turn around without bumping into an addict, right? Uh, and I've got them tell me every week, like, how many days so I love it. Absolutely love it. One of the things we realize, though, with addiction ministry is that you can't be desperate for them. And sometimes you've got an addict that wants to get better, but only kind of, sort of, maybe. And not really hitting the point where they're desperate. And it's painful, but you can't do anything. You just got to stand back until they hit rock bottom. They get the gift of desperation. And that's when they start to hit recovery and actually grow. And I think we can learn from that. I think sometimes God is saying, hey, until you're at a point where you're like desperately dependent upon me, just keep knocking. Just keep knocking. And I think that's some of what's going on there. Well, that is persistence. And as I told you, we have 13 verses. Jesus has another paragraph that he wants to give us about perspective in prayer. So let's go ahead and look at that last paragraph. It starts in verse 11. It says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, thank you for that, Jesus, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Like You know you want to give your kids good things and not give them bad things. If you can figure that out, don't you think God's got that game going? 
Of course he does. What this is talking about is being a parent. God is a parent when it comes to prayer. So he's not a neighbor. He's a parent. But here's the thing. He's not a grandparent. You get the difference? Right? Grandparents, we expect them to say yes every time because their goal is just to spoil the kids and make the kids happy. A parent doesn't have that goal. A parent wants the kid to grow up and mature and be happy long-term in life. So the parent sometimes says no. The grandparent never does. When we go to God, we expect him to be a grandparent. And we get really wigged out and confused when he's not. Turns out he's a father. He's a parent. He has our best in mind. Parents love kids. Uh, They want to give them the good stuff. So in the passage, you know, the good stuff. Back then, a common meal was fish or an egg, right? And common hazards in their culture back then was a snake or a scorpion, right? And so we can update the language. Like for us, like good food would be like bacon and baklava, right? That's a good meal right there. I'm in heaven right there. That's good stuff. And then a common hazards like, I don't know, cats, right? And, and Michigan fans, right? So <clears throat> here's what I'm saying. So you go to God and you ask for bacon. He's not going to give you a cat. Don't worry, he's a good daddy, right? And if you ask for a Michigan fan, he's like, no, I love you too much, son. Here, have some baklava, right? He's a good parent. He's a good parent. Sometimes a parent says no, and it's a good thing that they say no. But the problem is when God acts like a parent, not a grandparent, you know what we do? We pitch a hissy fit. And we throw a tantrum. Whenever I say tantrum, it always reminds me. I think I've shared this with you before, but it's one of my favorite commercials. Enjoy this. It's a condom commercial. Wow, hilarious. Uh, How many of you parents watched that and had like PTSD, right? Like flashbacks, right, to that moment. You're like, oh, stop, please stop. Listen, I'm telling you to pray like little kids, but not that one. But let's be honest, isn't that us at times in prayer? Like we've asked God to give us something and he's not doing it. He's saying no. And we pitch a hissy on him. We throw a little tantrum and it's crazy. Can we just trust him? Can we assume that he maybe knows a little bit more than we know? That he's a really good dad and he'll give us what we should have when we should have it. Tim Keller had a great line on this. He said, if you knew all that God knows, you'd only ask for what he gives. Don't pitch a tantrum. Trust him. Let's trust our God, okay? He's a good parent. Well, he's not only a good parent, but also as a good parent, one of the things he gives us, lastly, is his presence. His presence. Now, I don't know, if you look back at the passage, at the end of it, it gets kind of weird. Like, it's not just about bread and fish and and an egg and a good meal. That's a good meal, right? 
But also, Jesus says at the end of it, he says, don't worry, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Wait, wait what? Come again? Like that's the moment at the restaurant where I said, I'm, excuse, excuse me, miss, this isn't what I ordered. Like this is kind of different, right? Where the Holy Spirit come into this? Well, you, want, you need to understand something. Luke is all about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus, right? But it's all about the Holy Spirit too because he's God. And more than, twice as often as the other gospels, Luke mentions the Holy Spirit. He's making a point all throughout the book. Now the problem is, usually it's just like this. It's tacked in as kind of a little afterthought, a little phrase. We go, oh, isn't that nice? He mentioned the Holy Spirit. It's a nice little garnish, nice little embellishment. And then we just move on. But I think Luke is making a point here. God gives us himself. He is not only the giver, he is also the gift. And so as a good father, he gives us his presence. I hope you mature to a point, I want to keep maturing to a point, where I know when I go to God in prayer, the thing I need most at that moment is him. I just need Jesus in my life, and I get desperate and dependent on him. He is my greatest need. And so here I am as a little kid in life, and it's like I'm at a carnival, and there's all these crowds, and I'm just down here, and I can't see, and everyone's up here, and I'm lost. And so I pray to my Heavenly Father. I say, God, will you give me a map? And he says, no, I'll give you myself. Because what does a good father do? He takes the kid by the hand and says, come on, let me show you. Walks you through the crowd. He is giving us himself, his presence. And so why don't we lean into that? Then we say, God, I need you in my life to guide me throughout life. And that's prayer. In fact, we've covered a lot about prayer. Let me show it to you again. We said a big picture is I want you to pray like little kids. Like don't look at religious people to learn how to pray. Look at little kids. Listen to children. And then we got, we've got to practice all the time. And, and it is plural. It's a group thing. And the Lord's Prayer is a pattern, not something we parrot. There are good points to hit, though. And yeah, I want, I want us to be persistent in prayer because we're talking to our good parent, our good Heavenly Father. And He gives us His presence. So here's what I want you to do this week to apply this. I want to ask you to do three things. Number one, every day this week, when you wake up, I want you to just go babble and blather on to your good heavenly father. Just pour your heart out to him in the morning. And then, don't like hang up on him and just go about your day, but rather, then you put your hand in his and you walk with him throughout your day. His presence in your life, which means you have an ongoing conversation with him throughout the day. Think of yourself as like middle schoolers dating. Okay, like just all day long, right? You just don't stop. And then thirdly, I want you to be persistent about something. I want you to get one prayer request. Maybe it's a daily bread thing. Maybe it's your kingdom come. I don't know, but you're going to get one specific thing. And we're at the beginning of March right now. I want you to pray that thing, the same request that you have every day throughout all of March. And let's just see what God does, okay? There's three things you can do, but hey, how about this? How about right now? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. As we have sung already, you are a good, good father. It's who you are. 
And as one of your gifts to us, you give us the privilege to come into your presence and call out to you. And it blows my mind. I don't want to miss that, that you are the God of the universe. You spoke and you flung this into existence. You created me. You are God. And yet right now, you're actually listening to us as we pray. It's mind-blowing. We don't want to cheapen it. We don't want to miss it by turning it into some recited thing that we just parrot. No, Lord God, we want to learn to communicate to you, to do that well throughout the day and share our hearts with you, that we might experience your presence in our lives all throughout the day. Take us there, Lord, please, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.